to start with the confession. I was praying about this. Do I tell you guys this or not? But you know me by now. I'm pretty transparent with you. And I want to tell you probably an issue that I have in my life. I've been listening to Christmas music since the day after Halloween. How many of you are in that support group with me? How many of you have been listening? Okay, there's about five of you. Great. We meet Tuesday nights. Uh, We could talk about it. I love Christmas music. We only get it once a year. Why not? I mean, Halloween's over. I'm feeling a little Christmassy. Thanksgiving's preparing for Christmas. I know you're supposed to wait, but I can't. It's on the radio. Star 102 starts it, and why not put it on the radio? Michael Buble, Pentatonics, Frank Sinatra. Pastor Charles' favorite, Mariah Carey, all the hits. I mean, I love Christmas music. I just do. But it's funny, when I was growing up, I never went to church. My family didn't start attending church uh, until actually I started to attend myself when I was 17 years old. And I loved Christmas music as a child. But I loved, loved the Christmas carols. And I didn't even know what a Christmas carol was. I didn't know we were singing about Jesus. I just liked what the words meant. And when I was 17 and became a Christ follower, I started to come to the chapel in Sandusky. That Christmas, we started singing some of these songs, and then I started to understand the truth about them. And it changed my life. And so what we want to do over these, uh, over these three weeks is to look at some of these familiar Christmas carols And to see what the truth of these really mean. Where do they come from in scripture? Because all of them come from somewhere in the Bible. So I get the pleasure of teaching on joy to the world today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the lyrics up on the screen. I'm not going to sing them because I want you to stay for the rest of the message, okay? But I'm going to read them to you. And after each stanza, I'm just going to pause. I want us just to take in these rich lyrics that have been written for us. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. A deep, deep song that did not start as a song. In fact, the writer of this song that we sing now, his name is Isaac Watts. He wrote it 300 years to the day, 1719. It's become one of the most popular carols in the 20th century, but it was written as a poem. 
We sing it as a Christmas song, but as Isaac Watts was reflecting on Scripture, he wrote poetry, and one of the song or one of the poems that he wrote that we turned into a Christmas song was Joy to the World. But he wrote it based upon his reflections of Psalm 98. And so what I want to do is I want to read the, the, the five verses that he bases this song on. I want you to see the overlap and how this poem in the scriptures, this Hebrew poem, spurred Isaac Watts to write this poem that we now sing as joy to the world. And here's what he says in Psalm 98, verses 4 and 9. The psalmist says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melody of song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all the living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with justice and the nations with fairness. I think you can see some overlap with joy to the world in Psalm 98. Again, not written as a Christmas poem or a Christmas song, but both, both joy to the world and this psalm, Psalm 98, points to the Christmas story. What I love about Christmas and what I can't stand about Christmas is what we've turned the season into. I love Christmas because, like I even said at the beginning, I love family time. I love seeing our kids be excited. I love just what the season represents. But what I can't stand is what we've turned this season into. If I had to say one word to describe the Christmas season, I would use this. Busy. Busy. My wife went out yesterday just shopping for a few things for our happy birthday Jesus party. And she came in, and the first thing she said is, it is a zoo out there. I am so glad to be home. And you know, I understand everyone needs to go and buy presents, and I understand that everyone is on their phones looking at Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals, but boy, have we really taken this season and made it into something that it was never intended to be. We've turned this incredible season to pause and reflect and look back at our Savior and all that he's done. And we've, and we've turned that into a time of busyness, a time of consumerism, a time of distraction, a time where we want to avoid it because of family gatherings and all the things that we have to do. I think it's time to take the psalmist's advice and look back at the Lord. Look at what he has done for us. Because when the psalmist is reflecting on the character of God and the work of God, he says in verse 4, he says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise. Sing for joy. He's calling us back to look at God taking our eyes off of what we've turned this season into and putting them back on our Savior who has done incredible things. Our heart should not be filled with busyness and consumerism and all the things we've turned this Christmas season into. It should be turned into a time when we reflect on what Christmas is about. We break out in song and our, and our hearts overflow with joy. 
So what I want to do for the next few moments is bring us back to the heart of Christmas. The heart of Christmas, what the psalmist is writing about, what is to come, and what Isaac Watts knows to be the truth, is that Christmas is the story of what God has done for us. He's come to us and for us. It's the reason why Isaac Watts says joy to the world. Why do we have joy? Because the Lord is come. John, the writer, the gospel writer says, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus comes to us. What I love about the chapel is that the chapel is a place that is a very welcoming place. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your church attendances look like. We want to be a place where everyone belongs. And what I really love about that is some of the conversations that I get to have on a regular basis with people who would not identify as a Christ follower, but someone who would call themselves, for lack of better terms, an agnostic. An agnostic is somebody who would say, okay, I'm looking at the world, I'm looking at my life. It couldn't come from nothing. Something is behind it. I just don't know what that something is. An agnostic would label that as a God, a force, a being, someone in the heavens or the universe or somewhere out there. And we don't really know who that is. And for the agnostic, you would say, if I had to figure this out, I'm assuming that sometime in my life, Hopefully, I will identify this thing, and that will be the truth that I follow. I may figure it out, I may not, but someday I hope to. And when you're an agnostic, you have a moral compass in you that says, I need to make sure I'm doing right more than I do wrong, so that if there is a God out there, and I die someday, I want to make sure I'm in their presence. Most religions, most philosophies, that's how we identify God. He's up there somewhere, we need to figure it out, and then we need to live a good life in order to meet him someday. But the story of Christmas is that our God becomes human and comes to our world. There are times when I am in my pajamas, I do not want to leave my house. I am comfortable. I have my coffee. I have my remote. And I don't want to go anywhere. But if I lived in heaven, you better believe I would not be going anywhere. I would want to be there. It's the best place to be. And, and Jesus is there. He doesn't have to go anywhere. And Jesus says, but I need to go I need to make my home amongst my people. I love how the message version puts this. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He moved into your neighborhood where you live, your block, your house, your doorstep. He is there. He comes to us. He leaves the comforts of heaven to be born in this world, this world filled with suffering, this world filled with injustice, this world filled with loneliness and emptiness. 
The same things that you and I deal with on a regular basis. Jesus put himself through that as well. He walked the walk that you and I walk every single day. He came to us. But he doesn't come to us because he was bored. He doesn't come to us because he needs us. He comes to us and finds us because we are desperate for him. You see, Jesus, it says that he was full. His character, his being overflowed with unfailing love and faithfulness. This God, who you don't have to go find, he comes and finds you, is full of an unfailing love, an unconditional love. You and I give love to people, but it's purely conditional. If you're mad at somebody, you will withhold some of that love that you have for that person. If you're not feeling it, you're not going to give it. And you are in relationships with a spouse or a parent or a friend that does the same thing to you. And it probably drives you crazy, doesn't it? But our God doesn't say, hey, when I feel like it or when you love me, then I will love you. This God is based, his love is based on his conditions, which means there's none. He loves you for you. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life. It doesn't matter how you love God. He just loves. That is who God is. And this kind of love is a pursuing love, which means when you and I, not if you and I, when you and I walk away from him, which we do all the time, we never truly make God the center of our lives on a daily basis. We are attracted to other things that we put first place in our lives. Even when we do that and we hurt ourselves, he pursues us and wants us. Not because he needs us, but because we need him. And what I love about this, he's not just an unconditional pursuing God. He's full of faithfulness. You and I are unfaithful to God on a constant basis. All that God has done for us, we don't live faithfully to him. We don't live faithfully in how we treat others, how we think of others, how we treat God, how we think of God, how we approach, how many times when we, don't, we get bored with the Bible, we don't want to pray, we don't want to go to worship, we have other things to do, when our hearts start to merge into another lane, we are very, very unfaithful to God at the heart of who we are. But God is faithful to us. He will never give up on us. He will always embrace us because that is who God is. That's the story of Christmas. He comes to you for you. But one of the most unique aspects of God's love, he won't force you to love him. Just like every single day, you have to choose to love somebody else. It's a choice of the will, not choice of feeling, but choice of the will to show love to the other people. You and I get that choice with God. He does not come and pin you down and look you in the eye and say, you love me. He does something better. He does all the work. Comes to this earth, is born 
in a place where none of us would want to be born. He lives a sinful life, a, a sinless life in place of our sinful life. He goes to the cross and dies a death that you and I deserve. He takes on our sin, our shame, our past, our current habits, our current hang-ups. He takes all of that on the cross. He dies with it and then rises from the dead, guaranteeing that you and I will rise from the dead too after we take our last breath. He does all of those things, and all he's asking for you and I is to accept that, to receive it. That's all we have to do. That's why in the song, Isaac Watts says, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. He's done everything necessary to have a relationship with you. He's pursued you. He's shown up at your doorstep. All you have to do is answer the door. I mean, Revelation 3.20 puts it so simply. Look, here I am. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. You don't have to leave your home. I'm right here. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. God is saying, just let me into your life. I want to be your friend. Open the door to me. That is the opportunity that we have this Christmas season. Instead of focusing on what we need when it comes to consumeristic things, we don't need anything else. What we need is a God that's willing to come into our lives. Some of us, we have pushed God out of our lives even though we say we follow him. It's time to let him back in. The things that you and I have been living for, the things that have left us empty, but we continue to go on in life as if everything's okay, it's time to admit it and come back to him. He is knocking at your door right now. And for those in this room that say, man, I haven't been to church in a long time. I don't know what I believe. I won't force you to believe anything. All I can say is that if there is a God and it is Jesus, he's done everything for you. All you got to do is let him in. This Christmas season, wouldn't it be great to say, I, I've celebrated the Christmases, but I remember Christmas 2019, just like I remember Christmas 2003 as the time I finally let Jesus into my life. What a great Christmas and beyond it would be. Because the story of Christmas is that God has come to us, and most importantly, he has come for us. But... There's a giant elephant in the room. I believe this with all of my heart, but I really struggle with it. Joy to the world. Praise God. He is amazing. He is great. And he is. The problem is I live in a broken world. And I have broken desires and I have struggles. And we live in a world where it's messed up. How in the world are you and I able to have joy in the midst of all of the darkness and the sorrow that we go through every single day? I mean, right down the street from where I live, not literally, but two or three miles down the street yesterday, another shooting in Sandusky. This is a week after the stabbing at Golden Corral. That's, sadly, I don't know the families. Pray for them. But boy, if I just open my phone and I look at some of the text messages and some of the prayer requests that I even see from you, 
some of the relational heartache, the diagnoses from the doctor, the unknown futures, the pain and the sorrow and the loneliness that come from Christmas season when that person won't be at the table this year. Or you're not speaking to your dad or to another friend. This season should be filled with joy. We should sing joy to the world. He is worthy of it, but it's really difficult to do that. Last Saturday night, my wife and I, we were getting ready uh, to go to the special needs prom. I talked about that a couple months ago. I was so excited for it. Was getting ready in my bathroom. And all of a sudden, I had some back spasms. And it felt like I was tased. I immediately went down, and it felt like just electrocution over and over and over. Now, I have ongoing back issues. haven't had a flare-up in three years. Here I am on the ground. I can't move. I crawl up into bed. And I'm sitting here, and I'm literally in tears. The pain is horrendous, but I know that I can't be with the people that I love that evening to be able to have fun and dance with some of my special needs friends. Then the next day, I had to go to Port Clinton and teach, and I could barely walk. I had to have assistance to get up the steps to teach. All week, I've had horrendous back pain. And I'm trying to say, God, how am I supposed to teach on joy to the world when all I can think about is my pain that won't go away, that doesn't just affect my back, but my mind? And then I start to think about my future and what will it lead to? It is so hard. To have joy in this world in the midst of the pain and sorrows of life. But you know what I love about Jesus? If you're considering Jesus, let me tell you, he'll never lie to you. A lot of other religions promise a lot of things and then you get into it and you're like, are you kidding me? If you believe following Jesus is easy or he promises no pain, then you have not read the Bible. In the midst of the Gospels, Jesus looks at us and he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that doesn't say, you may have some trouble, you may not, depending how good of a person you are, depending how wealthy you are, depending on your status. No, no, no matter who you are, when you wake up tomorrow, you will walk into a world filled with pain. It just will look differently. In this world, you will have sorrow. But, if you ever see a but or however in the Bible, it means grace. But, I have overcome the world. You will have pain, and it will be hard to have joy, but this will not be the end for you. That's why Christmas is not just the story of God coming to us and for us. It's the story of him coming to us and for us again. You see, theologians call this the not yet, or the uh, the already happened but the not yet tension of the Bible. The already is Jesus came, he died, he rose again. But then guess what? We're still living in the midst of pain. But he's coming again. He is not finished with us yet. This broken world is not the end result of where we will be. There is a future for us. That is why when you and I are struggling to have joy, look ahead to what God is going to do. 
It's a promise. That's why the psalmist, he says this, let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with justice and the nations with fairness. He's talking about rivers clapping their hands and hills singing out songs of joy. What does that mean? What he's saying is the earth, though it is broken now, will be put back together. It'll have a new earth where God will be with his people and all of, the, all of nature, though it looks beautiful now, is under a curse. And when that curse is lifted, wait till you see what nature will really be like. Wait till you see how food will really taste. A lot less calories, amen to that. But so much more beautiful. We're going back to the beginning where it was perfect before sin entered the world. God's bringing that back. How amazing is that? And then God said he's going to come judge the earth. We need God to be a judge. There have been things that have happened to you in your life that someone needs to be accountable for. Beyond the court of law. Some of your biggest hurts that have come from other people, you know God's going to keep them accountable for that. But do you know the hurts that you've inflicted on people too? Because of our own brokenness and how that comes out into other people's lives, God will judge you for that as well. But grace. Jesus took on that judgment on the cross. Isn't that not amazing? If you are in Christ, Jesus looks at you and he says, listen, I know you deserve this. Let me take it on for you. So you won't be judged. Jesus was judged in your place. How amazing is that? We have hope in the midst of our struggles. Joy to the world. It's why, that's why Isaac Watts continues to say in this song, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And then he goes on to say this, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. I can't wait for that. No more sin. No more sorrows. No more curse. All I can see is his blessings near and far. Aren't you so excited for a time like that? Christmas is the story of God coming to us and for us. And he has begun a really great thing in your life because of that. But the story is not fully written yet. There is another chapter being written that will encapsulate all that we desire. That God will bring everything to closure. And the closure is in our favor for those who know and love Jesus. There are some of you right now who have an unknown future. And I'm sorry about that. Whether it's a job or a relationship, or finances, or whatever it is, there are things in your life right now that I don't know what the future holds for you. But what I can tell you 
is there is a God who holds that future in his hand. And because of that, it doesn't solve our problems today, but we can have hope that he holds all things and that we can entrust ourselves to him. If he's willing to come for us and come for us again, in the midst of that, we can trust him. Joy to the world. The Lord has come, and he will come again. So how I want to end our time together is I want to put up a passage of scripture and just really give you a picture of what the world will really be like that we get to be a part of someday. And then I'm going to invite Jeremy and the team to sing Joy to the World again. I'm hoping when we sing it once again, it has even new meaning. So let me, would you actually stand up with me right now? I'm going to read a part, portion of Revelation verse, uh, chapter 21 to you. And then when it comes to the yellow, I just want you to join with me in saying that. Then I saw, John is writing this about the vision that he saw. I saw this new heaven and this new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth, full of sin and shame and pain and death, it's gone. It disappears. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He came once, now he comes again forever. He will live with them and they will be his people. Let's say this together. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Joy to the world.